I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 8 of the Massive Fans Book Club Podcast. We're not even going to bother to try to tell you about the disasters that have stood between us and this episode at this time, because uh, it's just becoming commonplace. <laughs> just know that our lives are a mess, and that we love you, and we're happy to be bringing you chapters 32 through 36. Yes, that is a change. Originally, we told you we'd do 32 through 35, but we just have to talk about 36. Um, yeah, so that's what we're going to do today. Yeah, I mean, I will say briefly that there is a horrible, <laughs> horrible, horrible stomach virus going around that took down three out of the four of us in my house. Sending one to the hospital. <laughs> Sent Again. one person to the hospital. So yeah, I'm truly, you guys, I wish I was kidding. It's been a hot ass mess in our lives. And, you know. As we discussed it, I think between our two families, somebody has been in the hospital like every single month since the start of 2023. Yeah. Yeah, so, I would, it's a trend yeah. I would like to not continue, but yeah. yes. Anytime, the, you know, what I don't even think, I don't even think anything's like in retrograde. I feel like I read that like May was supposed to be super chill and it wasn't. <laughs> so whatever is in retrowave, if, 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 if Pluto or Mercury are in the microwave or whatever it is, like, get it out. We're tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> we are, we are officially done. Thank you very much. And for those of you that know where I work, my job, we have started summer camp already. And so <laughs> summer camp and it's, yeah. So it's going to be a fun, fun summer. At least I'm not the summer camp director this year. So yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, Somebody else's problem. <laughs> well, sort of. The two girls that were my assistants last summer are co-coordinating it this year, which is awesome i love it and also so, shout out because one of them listens hi hey girlfriend <laughs> anyway these two girls are just the most amazing and awesome people on the planet and i adore them both and okay hey, when you happy. let akatar fans run stuff we just do a good job <laughs> i mean she's awesome she really is and she uh girlfriend you have no idea how much i appreciate you seriously uh, other than that life is good i mean i'm i'm ready this summer i need this summer to kind of get going it's been it's been a challenging year so far so you know i will also say that i ran into another friend of ours who is a fan of the podcast uh yesterday in the wild i know that's it, always so fun it, it was so good to see you and catch up and yay yay for seeing you i know you know who you are it's good to see you guys oh and i have one more shout out i found out we have a listener Ooh. who i know from work oh i was wearing my night court t-shirt that you know sure. the, the general the yeah the monster in a beautiful body that one yeah she's wearing a i want to say a doctor who t-shirt nice. complimented her on her t-shirt and she complimented me on mine and i was like oh yeah you know i do a podcast and she's like wait a minute which one? Oh my god that's hilarious and i told her and she goes i listen to you guys and i was like well you could say you actually really know one of us too now Oh, that's funny. Well, so, I'm trying to convert my brother-in-law's girlfriend because she saw my Lord Olympus stuff and went, oh my God, do you read Lord Olympus? And I was like, no, I just collect the stuff. Yeah, obviously I read a lot of Lord Olympus. And she yes. was like, oh, I love fantasy stuff. And I was like, girl, stop. Have you read Akatar? And she goes, no. I'm like, have you heard of Sarah J. Mess? And she's like, yes. And I was like, okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> and I gave her the lowdown about the, the podcast. And she was like, oh my God, okay, I have to go read the books like right now. And I was like, yes. And then text me immediately. <laughs> so yeah. 
I love it. I love it. So anyway, hey, Lene, I'm going to give you a shout out <laughs> with your actual name. Uh, it was it was really cool to find out that you. That's really listen. fun. I have to say it was. I feel like everybody else I know who listens listens because I told them about it. <laughs> right, but to accidentally find somebody, you're like, Ooh. <laughs> find someone in the wild. It's kind of cool. One time on uh, one of the four thousand groups that we're in on Facebook, when somebody yeah. was asking for podcasts and somebody tagged our podcast, and the girl goes, "I already listened to that one." I was like, "Look, two people know who we are." <laughs> So you guys have no idea. Like little things like this totally make us so happy and we well, love yeah. it. And we Somebody got cheer us up when we're in and out of hospitals. <laughs> Seriously, you have no idea. We we have we've traded some pretty crazy messages this year. Yeah. So good times, good knowing, times. Knowing that you guys are out there and you do listen, um, we are really gonna make a concerted effort to try and get back on track. Yep. And part of doing that is adding chapter thirty six today. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. So just speed this thing up. Actually, it really will because this is kind of a weird chunk of chapters. But it is a weird chunk. It is. It's really good. It's awesome. But we'll explain shortly why it's really weird. I think it's about after chapter thirty-two that I have my small little um, tidbit. <laughs> we'll essentially sum up the rest of the chapters and then the episode's over. No, <laughs> no, pretty much. So yeah, so we're there. So uh, thank you guys for sticking with us. And, yeah. and like I said, it's so cool to bump into friends who are fans, and we'll get you guys out there. I, I swear. Like if you, if you seriously, if you know, feel free to contact us because this is like so cool. It's it's really funny. And Matt, on the off chance that you're listening, I know you work 37 jobs, but you still owe us some uh, dude perspective. Yeah, <laughs> we are missing our dude. So anyway, guys, this is a fun section. And uh, I will yeah. tell you that, and, and I'll reiterate this when we get to the songs at the end, the songs are truly a mood. Yeah. Most, I'd say half the songs are just instrumental. As so. Kim said, she was going for a vibe. <laughs> it was all about the vibe all about the mood and the vibe it's not yeah anyway so just know that and um the vibe is heavily celtic i will also tell you all that yes so anyway um that being said you guys uh you know this podcast is not for little ears as always yeah that's that all right keeping it quick and simple let's just dive in because i'm so excited i'm so excited for nesta in this section this is great this is great for nesta love this for her everybody else kind of a shit show but for nesta <laughs> i love this for her <laughs> yes yes so you know what take it away okay so as you vaguely recall four thousand years ago when we put on an episode <laughs> nesta was like okay let's do it before i lose my cool Let's go and get the mask out of the shitty bog. And everybody was like, okay. Um, well, now we've had some time to sit in that decision because, you know, you got to, like, get dressed. You got to, like, it, I think I think this is the next day. That seemed pretty vague, mm -hmm. but isn't it the next day? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and now everybody's starting to really, like, think about it. And Nessa's like, don't fucking do that. I told you if we think too hard, I'm not going to do it. So stop <laughs> and here's the thing I don't get. So total sidebar really quick. You know, they left – the whole thing because Cassian was like part of what pulled her out was is he's like right let go and we can go home and play I know and then I guess they decided that staying up all night is a bad choice right before you go into a bog I guess I don't I don't know I yeah I think I think that killed the mood <laughs> maybe I I don't know um well my guess is that also it just became a problem of trying to get everything situated because 
like now we need a plan. Like now, so we know it's going to be Cassie and Azrael and Nesta, because here's the thing. This is how chapter 30 she starts. And also like sidebar, we also have to like go get her clothes and get her, um, because like, she's worn her leathers that she trains in, but I'm not like, that's still not the part that like carries the weaponry, which we do briefly discuss that she just like Feyre has to get fitted for all of like the weaponry and it's very awkward. And yeah. So, I mean, I think we just had shit to do. Like, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, but as we discussed right at the top of 32, everybody's now starting to think and Reese is like, shit, like I should go with you. And Feyre's like, oh, I should be going with you. And everybody's like, yeah, but you're not gonna. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> Uh, nobody even really has anything to say, uh, cause everybody's like, this is just so fucking uncomfortable and awkward. Like Reese is like, oh man, like I'm super powerful. I'm the one who should go. And Faye was like, well, I'm the one who's had any training, not my sister. So I should go. And everybody's like, yeah, but you made the dumbest bargain in the goddamn world. So now neither of you can go. <laughs> None of them know about the bargain yet. Yeah, I know. So we all know that it's the dumbest fucking bargain in the world. Uh, it's fine. Everything is fine. Well, not only that, but I, I love this little bit in here. The the paragraph where Nesta, she's she's not saying anything. She's yeah. letting them all, like, run their mouths. Yeah, and Cassie is just watching her, really. And, you know, she she's talking about the weight of the yes. weapon that he loaded her down mm-hmm. with. And I love it. It's, she, the weapons, the weight of the weapons she carried, like, phantom, phantom hands man. pushing on her back, her thighs, and her hips. I know. And I just think that's an awesome way of describing. Yeah. You can weight it down like that. Think about it. Yeah. No, I thought so too. And uh, so then Cassie, she's, she's thinking back to when Cassie gave her all the weapons and his comment to her was you're, you're still as likely to hurt yourself as you are an opponent, but it's better than going into Orid unarmed. So she selected a dagger and he grinned and then tells her pointy end goes in your enemy. I know. Well, and what I love about this is it's kind of, to me anyway, a callback to literally like my favorite scene in Akamath where, you know, Reese is fitting Feyre up with her, you know, everything that she needs. And he's like on his knees getting everything, you know, into it. And yeah. And I love all of that. And we kind of get that from, we get the Cassie and Nesta version, which is a little bit more playful. Cassie and kind of poking fun at her, basically saying you're not ready, which Reese never said to Feyre, even though honestly Feyre wasn't any more ready at that time than Nesta is now. Nesta is actually arguably more ready than Feyre was. Yeah, I would agree. And they also, Cassie and Nesta also know each other much better than Feyre and Reese did at that time. Um, so in a way, Nesta and Cassie are more likely to come out the other end of this than Feyre and Reese ever were. But anyway, that's not here nor there. Um, I like that it's a cute callback that he is getting her ready and she's having the same thoughts your sister did, which is like, wow, this shit is heavy. And I'm suddenly realizing I don't know what I'm doing. Pointing in goes in your enemy. Yeah, so that's cute. And I really enjoyed that. Um, we get brought out of her memory of this moment um, because Reese uh, finally admits what we said, which is like, okay, but since we can't go with you, um, at least Asriel will be there. And you know, as is standing in the corner, like, I'm still probably worth more than either of you at this moment. <laughs> like, Reese, you're a mess lately. And Feyre, you're pregnant. I think that they would pick me over the two of you any day. <laughs> Pretty much, you know? Um, Reese calls them out on that and basically says, you two aren't even parents yet and you're mother henning and Farrah's like, what the hell is mother <laughs> like, what mother henning? And Cassie's like, what? 
It's a phrase. People say that. I like I like how he, he gets really sarcastic even before he says that. And he's like, thanks for the confidence. I know. I know. This is all general. I know. I know. Everybody's being kind of an asshole. Um, and I don't really even understand why, because I feel like two or three chapters ago, this group of people was like ready to just like toss Elaine in and let her flounder and be. And now that Nesta is here willingly and halfway prepared, they're suddenly like, this is a bad idea. It's like, this is a worse idea than your original idea. There ain't no way. Exactly. Ain't no way in hell. Exactly. Anyway, I like that Nesta and Asriel sort of have this moment while everybody's being an idiot. Because like we said before, Asriel and Nesta kind of have a understanding between the Mm -hmm. two of them because Mm -hmm. they are both kind of the quiet one of the friend group per se. Um, And I think they both see so much more than anybody thinks either of them does see. Yeah. And we've pointed out before that they've kind of always had this understanding of like, well, I see you, even though nobody, like I I see you and I see that you see me and everybody else is out here is just oblivious as hell. Essentially, because Cassian is uh, doing the thing. I don't know. There's got to be a word, like a term for this. He's kind of got like this bravado. He's making jokes with Feyre. He's being all like, you know, pompous or whatever, like, because I think it's his way of kind of um, not thinking about probably how nervous he is about this whole thing. Exactly. I can't think of like what the word for that is, but he and Feyre and Reese are kind of doing the thing where they dig at each other to ignore the situation at hand immediately the literal like last two and a half minutes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer like the last episode it it reminds me of that they have this really weird jokey conversation that feels really kind of uncomfortable but it's because what else do you do when literally everything is gone yeah like you're literally the last one standing so what do you do but they're kind of doing that so Nesta and Az are able to look at each other and kind of have this moment where they kind of smile at each other because they're both kind of aware of like Cassian's doing the thing where he's acting like an idiot again. And it's like, yeah, he is. And it's like, but that's our idiot, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so they have their little moment. Uh, finally, Reese is like, okay, I guess it's time to do the thing. Nesta glances over to Feyre. Feyre is kind of like, uh... How do I say? Um, she's now dealing with the consequences of her choices. <laughs> but before you do that, I, I want to point out. So she, before she even looks at Favor, she does look upstairs to look for Elaine. Yeah. And I, this really kind of stuck out to me because Nesta looks up there just in case. And as, as it says in here, Elaine had again opted to remain in her room when yeah. Nesta was present. Which was just fine. Absolutely, utterly fine. Elaine could make her own choices and had chosen to thoroughly shut the door on Nesta, even as she fully embraced Feyre and her world. Nesta's chest tightened, but she refused to think of it, acknowledge it. Elaine was like a dog, loyal to whatever master kept her fed and in comfort. Nesta wrenched her attention from the stairs, cursing herself for a fool for even looking. Wow. That's something to unpack, you know? Yeah. uh, I kind of just filed. I do love that last line about Elaine because truthfully, I think that that is kind of funny because if you go into the fandoms, we know that people are like real wicked crazy about like Nesta versus Elaine. And to me, I understand this is from Nesta's perspective and we have an unreliable narrator situation, sort of. This is actually still a more reliable third party narrator than we were getting in 
the first three books because it's not directly from Nessa's perspective. It's sort of from Nessa's perspective. Um, so the Elaine was like a dog loyal to whatever master kept her fed and in comfort. On one hand, it's kind of like a shitty thing to say. On the other hand, I think this actually sums up exactly why I personally have never liked Elaine and I've had a hard time grappling with what the hell the point of her is. I will say, summing it up into one sentence like this, sets her up for a really cool story arc. And I think that if we could unpack why she acts this way and how that could help or hurt her in the future, I think that's really cool. But as it stands on page, whatever the hell we're on, 348, I still stand by, yeah, Elaine's kind of a bitch. (laughs) I'm totally open to having my mind changed. Like, don't get me wrong. (laughs) But like that sentence pretty much summed up exactly why I wrote Elaine off 348 pages ago. <laughs> I just, I thought that was such an interesting yeah. little bit. I do too. I didn't want to skip over it simply because yeah. it says so much about Nesta and who Nesta is yeah. and her relationship with Elaine. Yeah. And it tells you a lot more about Elaine. Well, it also kind of makes you look at their relationship a little different because everybody's always been like, oh, Nesta's always like fond over Elaine, blah, blah, blah. I don't know that Nesta sees it that way as much as I think she literally thinks Elaine is incapable of taking care of herself, which now, if you look at it that way, then how is Elaine the way, how is the way Nesta took care of Elaine any different than how Feyre felt like she had to take care of the whole family? I'm not saying Nesta didn't screw up and not take care of Feyre, but that means what we have said from day one was always true, which is it had less to do with Nesta not taking care of Feyre and more that Nesta identified one of these two girls as capable of taking care of themselves and it's not Elaine. Right. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I think it has more to do with that. That she thought if she didn't take care of Elaine, somebody else was going to. <laughs> Absolutely. Because I think what she figured was if I don't take care of Elaine, Elaine will go marry herself off to like the first weird freak who would take her in. And then we got to deal with that weird freak. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I don't think it was about. Favorite. I think it was about Nesta being like, Jesus, Elaine. <laughs> no, I agree. It's it's weird. But yeah, but yeah, I'm glad we didn't skip that. I was just more focused on um Feyre saying this dumb shit. I'm more it's because I'm trying to get to this. This has been stuck in my head for days. So after Nesta has this little thought about Elaine, Feyre, who is there, is like, I don't like this. Like, you haven't had enough training. Like, we should just like like, fuck this plan. This is a bad idea. And Reese finally, like, remembers who he is as a person <laughs> and finally says to Nesta, like, if you don't want to go, like, he opens himself back up to who he's been for three fucking books prior to this or four books prior to this, which is he's giving her a choice. Thank God. Yeah. Like, oh, I mean, we know this guy. Right. I'm like, oh, yeah, we know him. And so I, I my brain was so focused on that. I kind of forgot about the Elaine because I was like, oh, right. All of a sudden, Reese suddenly remembers who he is. Again, after 348 pages. <laughs> Red out of ass has happened. Yes. Yay. Yes. But Nesta corrects him, basically being like, I don't have a choice because you need me. The bog is too big and you won't be able to find the mask without my whatever they are gifts. <laughs> mm-hmm. We get kind of a quick reminder of where we're going, which is the middle. 
Yeah. And it's a shit show. Like, it's like Favors reminding us, in case we got you confused because we kept talking about the bog and you're like, wait, where's the bog? It's in the middle. And do you remember where the middle is? Yeah, it's all that weird shitty shit that I dealt with in book two. Yeah. Uh, so long story short, it doesn't matter what you've experienced. It doesn't matter what you've planned for. It's going to be literally way worse than you expect. And no amount of planning or training was going to matter anyway. So just don't let your guard down. Pretty much. And this is like, oh, good. Yeah, that's the pep talk I wanted to hear. <laughs> but before we can think too hard, Azriel's like, okay, let's go. Let's get the hell out of here before we all change our minds. And so we get Azriel and we get Cassian and Nesta and the three of them are going to go now. Yes. Yeah. Of all, yeah, no, exactly. Because of all the places to put a snowflake, this was not one of them. Um, which is so strange because all of a sudden, <clears throat> there we are. <clears throat> we have now hit the gray, watery light. <laughs> the air is heavy. Everything is smelly. It sucks. Yeah. We've made it. I mean, I like the bit. No wind moved around them. Not even a breeze. And Cassian sums it up beautifully for us. Look at this hellhole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And sure enough, we get a couple paragraphs of Nesta and Azriel looking around the place and Nesta just being like, it is a hellhole. It's stinky, it's swampy, it's dark, it's icky. I don't like it. And Azriel's like, Ooh, and like the fact that Azriel makes a face at all is like really telling to how horrendously dead and gross this place is. So they all just kind of stand there like, great, great. The plan was to come here and we have now successfully done that. What was step two? Right, yeah, they, they were still step two. <laughs> we made it, let's go. Um, yeah. We accomplished. Asriel is suddenly like, you know, I don't want to state the obvious, but have you noticed that since we got here a few minutes ago, there's nothing, like there are no insects, there are no birds. I don't see nothing crawling around. Like, are you no noticing froggies. that? Yeah, you noticing that for a swamp, there ain't nothing here. Like, nothing alive, anyway. <laughs> and everybody's like, fuck. <laughs> and this is like, who would bury their dead here? <laughs> okay, but then Cassian's like, yeah, see, like, about that, they didn't. These were water burials. And everybody's like, wow, that's interesting. Creepy. <laughs> yeah. everybody's like sir they're just like dead bodies floating around here i mean maybe i guess maybe you didn't you drill enough into the water the water is like so black you can't see anything yeah so they're just like dead bodies all around here like great great and Nesta's is like i'd rather <laughs> i'd rather be burned to ashes and cast through the wind before being left here cassian says noted <laughs> <laughs> well we know how that's gonna go so okay, then, like, well. okay. This is kind of like when your friend looks you in the eye and says, I want to be cremated. <laughs> like, and you're like, okay. Don't listen to my family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or as my mom likes to tell people, I want to be in a mausoleum. <laughs> and then I go, we don't have mausoleum money. And she's like, okay, then I guess cremation will do. So, okay. Like, good to know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this is like, so we've talked about what isn't here. What is here? What creatures could we possibly come in contact with? And Cassian's like, Jesus Christ, you didn't ask me this before. You think now that we're here is a good time? 
Well, her response is perfect. She goes, well, I was scared to ask before. I didn't want to lose my nerve. And I can just imagine that Azrael at this point is like, we have made a grave error. <laughs> like, <laughs> I cannot I'm even back. believe we are here right now. Because <laughs> uh, Azrael just kind of, he sums it all up rather than like going into a list of horrific things they may find. He's just like, things that hunt in the water and feast on flesh. Okay? Okay. Yep. Don't go in the Not fucking water. Things at all. Yeah. Like, don't fucking bother. Uh, Cassian does talk about Kelpies. Do you want to explain that to us? <laughs> well, this is a little different. Um, as and actually, Cassian explains it too. Sure. Um, because a Kelpie is it? It is a mythical creature from Celtic mythology. Okay. The the Gaelic name for it is Kelpie. As they call it, it's one of the first true monsters of the fairies. Um, humans call them by other names. Water horses, nixies. It's a type of shapeshifter. So it's like half horse, half human creature that lives in the water, basically. And they're not very nice. No, they're kind of like evil mermaids, but without fish butts. They have horse yeah. butts. Yeah. Which also, like, I understand, like, logically, if you're like me, it doesn't matter how many times you've been told it has a horse butt, you're still going to picture a mermaid, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, they're they're supposed to be very attractive. Right, but... which is also the point of mermaids. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, okay, you're all... sailors to their death. Yeah, I was going to say, this is also the problem with, like, all mythology. It all gets kind of screwy, depending on who you ask, because if you ask me, I think these things are all related, so, like, I've always thought Nixies were the same thing as a Kelpie, which apparently they are, which is sort of the same thing as a siren, which is sort of the same thing as a mermaid. See, I, yeah, right. so they say it's a horse human thing. I've never seen the horse, but you know what I think of? Instead of like the mermaid stuff, I think of um, a seahorse. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yep. Mm -hmm. so for me, the Kelpie has been half seahorse, oh, half human. Yeah, you know what? I think that's kind of what I picture too, now that you're saying it. Yeah, because it's not straight up mermaid, but yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. But here's the thing I also don't get, because I've also heard of Kelpies being... Because you have the... They, they in, in certain stories, they shed their skin to become human. Uh... And at that point then you're talking more of a seal because they sure. used to they used to call the seals in northern scotland kelpie sure and they were the seals that had the ability to become human and to be human yeah. you had to shed your seal skin and you could be controlled by it by having your yeah like, you're right i've heard this story skin. before yes i've heard this yeah. before now so i i'm not really sure <sighs> yeah interesting it, it's a weird twist i mean because sure, i've, sure, I've sure. heard both sure and so i'm I'm not sure exactly like she kind of and, and as we've discussed in these before too she kind of takes it and does what she wants with it anyway so right. in this situation that's what cassian says they're humans call them by other names water horses nixies shapeshifters dwell in the lakes and rivers right and i just i i've never gotten the whole i mean I've I've heard both, and sure. I've heard it. I've heard a Kelpie being both. So, oh no, dude, I just got it wrong. I have the words mixed up. It's Kelpie and Selkie, and a oh, Selkie is the seal. or the seal. Okay. The Kelpie. Okay, but the since I didn't know the difference either, then that's my point: is they all kind of run together in your head. Yeah, my brain. That's fine. I, I, that I came sense. there. 
but a That's selfie. Okay. I also realized that I think I thought Nixies were literal horses made of water. <laughs> oh, well, so you learned something. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. So who knows? Who the hell knows? All we know is if you run into one of these things, there's a good chance they're going to drag you out in the water and all that's going to come back is your guts. Yeah. That's the important part here. Of course, Cassian's like, but they vanished. They're a myth. <laughs> like, and anytime hmm. says that anytime anybody says that just think like are we sure about that <laughs> weaver was supposed to be a myth right you mean like all this other shit that wasn't real <laughs> apparently really is yeah the weaver that shit that lives in the bottom of the library <laughs> are you getting me you getting me right now <laughs> the cereal yeah like shut up <laughs> So essentially, Cassian just says, don't go running off after any beautiful white horses or pretty-faced young men and you'll be just fine. <laughs> and then Azriel's like, stay out of the water. Yeah, he's like, you know what? I can do you one better. Just don't fucking touch the water. And then Nesta, being ever, like, the uh, realist, is like, cool, cool, love that. Love that for me. But what if the mask is in the water? <laughs> and everybody's just like, hmm. Okay, I don't know about that. That's a good point. Uh, we'll we'll deal with that when we have to. Uh, essentially, we boil it down to, all right, fine. Then as and I will draw straws like the tough warriors we are and the loser has to go. <laughs> we finally get a snowflake. It starts off from Cassian and he's like, he's been to some really awful places in his five centuries of life. Uh, the Bog of Ored is by far the worst. I think that says a lot right there. Well, yeah, it does. Yeah, it really does. And that also, I feel like, gives new light to the situation when Reese brought Feyre to the Weaver's Cottage. And I never really understood why the whole group was like, you're going to take her fucking where? Like, now I sort of understand why they said that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so... They're flying now. They're they're not using magic or winnowing or whatever. They're they're actually flying like the Illyrian males that they are. And Nesta's finally like, I, I don't know what I'm looking for. Who's even yeah. carrying Nesta? I guess Cassian is, right? Yeah, Cassian. Cassian's carrying her and she's just I, I don't totally get what I'm supposed to be looking for. Fair, yeah. I get it. Yeah, this is kind of a crapshoot. This is a lot. Like I said, this calls back very much to Weaver's Cottage where it's like, hey, you'll know it when you see it. And she's like, really? Will I though? Yeah. Yeah. And they they notice like little islands in of, of grass and trees. Sure. In the middle of the bog. Sure. Cassian's like, look, we'll, we'll stay as long as we can. If we don't find anything, we'll come back tomorrow. Well, there's a happy thought. I know, right? Oh, good. We could keep doing this. Great. Sure. And, you know, it's like, he has two swords, four knives, an Illyrian bow, and a quiver of arrows, plus all seven siphons. And yet, somehow, he thinks he still feels naked. <laughs> I'm like, dude, man, if you think you're having naked time with all that, we got other problems. <laughs> yeah, like, if you're like, oh, yeah, this just doesn't feel like enough, are you kidding me? <laughs> then I think we should get the hell out of Dodge. <laughs> yeah. Um, one one of the the scariest men in the world, and and yeah, mm, yeah, yeah, he's getting bad vibes. He's getting bad bad juju. Yeah, and of course, then it's like, well, what else lives here besides kelpies? And and 
Yeah, yeah Nessa's just trying like, to be like, maybe we should make small talk while we're here. <laughs> she's like, oh, some say witches, but not the human kind. And then... To which I kind of stopped and was like, I'm sorry, explain this to me again. So... Tell me like I'm two. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't... He's like, some say witches, not the human kind. I'm going to need SJM to back up and explain to me, so in this world, are there witches that are the human kind? Because <laughs> if there are witches that are the... This goes back to what you and I said last time, where I'm like, I'm starting to get real... You know, if you're going to have a world where you got to world build a mythical world that has to jive with the real world, then you're going to have to give me some real world information that has been ignored until now mm-hmm. so like do we have with like has nesta like has nesta been raised in such a way and she's like yeah you know like Susie down the street we called her a witch like you know what i'm saying like i don't understand that and and also can they Here's perform the, i don't understand and also like, can they perform part. c-sections in the human world like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but okay here's the part i don't get i know for a fact in the other two series she has which no yes. no this is common knowledge in, in the fandom so i'm sure. not spoiling anything that all three series are actually tied together sure sure, okay. sure but throne of glass and crescent city and we know from crescent city sure. there are witches right but what i'm saying is is like what was not established at least in crescent in city this, in this series there is no establishment okay in this one that. there is no establishment but even in the crescent city ones it was not really discussed if witches are human right and how does that play out are they humans? Is this Lord of the Rings? Are they humans with long ass lifespans? Are they human mythical hybrids? What I don't understand. You know what here's I mean? the thing: if you've read Throne of Glass, which I know you haven't, Kelsey, sure. but to our fans listening, you know from Throne of Glass, the witches in Throne of Glass have incredibly long lifespans. Sure. So, but they're so, human. But and they're human. They okay. look human. They have the human, but they their their lifespan is okay. Sure, so that's long. fine. I mean that works. But I'm just saying, like, it's a little weird that that didn't get pre-established in the story for this for this sentence to suddenly be dropped in here. I don't disagree. I just find it. Yeah, it, it's weird. Yeah, you know, it's very weird. But I, I'm with you. I get yeah. it. So that's why I just want to point that out because, like, I figured that it probably. Like I said, sometimes I think it's a kind of a crapshoot. I think as an author, you have to make a choice. And she may be thinking, oh, well, if you've read every book I've ever written in order of publication, then this will be like, oh, cool, a callback. I get it. But if you read series by series, which is I actually think how most people coming to a book actually operate, uh-huh. um, then, yeah, the sentence doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I'm with you. I am. I'm right there with you just so interesting right? so i just i think it's just interesting because like i always wonder like if that discussion comes up at publishing you know what i mean like if an editor or if the editor even catches it like does that does the team even catch it because the team has read everything you know what i mean so right. that doesn't so yeah like, in their head yeah you know i, I don't, don't know. know i i it's interesting i i do like the description because now it's yeah. almost like they're vampires because it's like they drink young blood to fill the coldness the magic left in them yeah and then Cassian continues and then he talks about things like light singers. Okay. Yeah. We know for a fact. Remember, Azrael is a shadow singer. Yeah. Okay. Light singers, lovely, ethereal beings who will lure you, appearing as friendly faces when you are lost. Only when you're in your in their arms will you see their true faces, and they aren't fair at all. And the horror of it is the last thing you see before they drown you in the bog, they kill for sport, not food. 
Okay, and I'm just saying that, like, if you've been hanging out in the fandoms and people have theories, this puts a whole new definition on if you've been seeing people just throwing around light singer with Gwen name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. On the other hand, this is not a great description. This is one paragraph. I mean, I don't know. Like, is it a choice? Is it like their power is the appear, the ability to appear this way and lure people in and then they off you? Or is it like they have to? You know what I mean? Are they creature or are they, it's a choice. You know what I mean? Because like Asriel could use his shadows to kill people, but he doesn't all the time. You know what I mean? Right. So like, could a light singer use this when they wanted to, but not when they don't? Like, I don't know. You know, it's very possible. I don't, yeah. I don't know. In which case, yeah, maybe she is. Maybe she's your best ever uh, back pocket weapon. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, you know, and and so, so then that's just like, why are they all here unattended? Like the whole, she's just her mind is not wrapping around this very well. She's like, what the hell are all these horrible things doing here? <laughs> Sorry, Kim, watching my face as I just have a realization of a really whack theory. Carry on, carry on. We'll talk offline. <laughs> and it's that whole, and, and he says to her, you know, the middle, it's it's under no High Lord's jurisdiction, which we already know from Feyre and all. But, you know, it's, it's there's no, there's no High Lord that sits in, in control over this area. Um, and so he's like, it's been the dumping ground for any unwanted. And she's like, wait a minute, hold up. Not the prison? Which, again, fair question. Yeah. Yeah. This all, right? um, yeah. I, this is why I really appreciate Nesta. Like, feel one way about her or another that you feel the need to do. But my point is, is from a literary perspective, I really appreciate that more so than Feyre. Feyre never really questioned what she learned. Feyre was just like, oh, wow. Okay, sure. Versus Nesta very often, I think, reiterates the reader's thoughts, which is, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Like, explain the logic to me again. Like, it's not even, it's, it's that, but she's also, you know, she, she knows enough about places like the prison. Right. So she can't ask questions. Question yeah. And Cassie's answer is interesting. He's like, their crimes are ones of nature. So those that were put into the middle have crimes that are of, in nature it's innate in them so a kelpie is designed to lure and kill right. a wolf is designed to hunt and prey sure hunt its prey um and as he says the middle keeps them separate from us without punishing them for what they were made to be sure okay that makes sense so actually. arguably they're more creature than they are whatever anything else yeah yes and then she's like why hasn't anyone come to get rid of all of these horrible things and he's like, the middle is full of primal magic. It has its own rules, laws. Hunt the Kelpies or the Lightsingers without provocation, and you might find yourself trapped here. Interesting. Right? And she's like, so how would the mask have wound up here? Fair? Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. Going back to the mask, you feel anything? Like, how's your spidey sense doing there? Picking up on anything? And she don't till she do. <laughs> and they go into this like cloud. Yeah. For I, I guess a fog. Sure. And all of a sudden 
Nesta just kind of jolts. She gets that, that creepy feeling going down her back. Yeah. And he's like, wait a minute. Did you send something? And she's like, I, I, I don't know, but something is here. Yeah. Something's he goes wrong. to look for Azrael to say, hey, we need to check this out. And Az is gone. And that's the end of the chapter, guys. Uh, okay. Okay. So, chapter 33. Um, we're going to obviously go through chapter 33 and chapter 34, but what you need to know is that we don't want to give you like a strict play by play. There's not a lot of dialogue. There's a little bit of dialogue here at the top of Mm -hmm. 33, but then it's a lot of action sequence play by play. And if you care to know what I realized after reading it, like the first time I read it, I was just like, wow, this is a lot happening. The second time I reread it, all I could picture was like a Scooby-Doo montage. (laughs) Like, all I can picture is a Scooby-Doo montage because we get these really big action sequences and everybody's, like, fighting stuff, but everybody's, like, it's kind of like we're, yeah, everybody's kind of, like, dealing with the consequences of their own actions, so to speak. Like, um, because we didn't have a real plan when we came in and we didn't really know where we were going and, like, Nesta didn't even know what she was up against. Everybody's just kind of operating from like the least possible information, which means everybody's just kind of like floundering and trying, like their Mm -hmm. only goal is like get away, stay alive, which just Mm -hmm. feels very, you know, like shaggy and scoob to me. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Um, And because of that, you're also going to see, like I said, there's a little bit of dialogue here at the top of 33 that's going to like set us up for the rest of the chapter in chapter 34 and really 35, we split up the gang. And you know that anytime you split up the gang, somebody is like dealing with the monster while somebody else is dealing with what they think is the monster. You know what I mean? Like anytime like Daphne and Fred and Velma go off one way, they encounter something. And then Scooby and Shaggy encounter something. And when they all inevitably beat feet their, you know, way back around and all meet back up again, they're like, oh my God, I saw a thing. Oh my God, I saw a thing. And then that's like kind of how we move the plot forward. So that's basically what's going <laughs> that's, that's that's when Velma gets the bright idea. She understands exactly what happened and who did what. Right, right. And so we're about to kind of get that whole sequence, essentially, which is fine. It's fun. And I mean, obviously, it's a little bit heavier than that. But you get my point that because of that, like, it, imagine trying to explain that four minute montage from Scooby-Doo with the music in the background to somebody. It's hard to describe that. You're like, it's just... It is what it is. We all know what that looks like. Scooby and Shaggy are doing a thing. And <laughs> Velma and Fred are doing a thing. <laughs> yeah. Daphne, Velma, and Freddy are off doing yeah. their thing. And one yeah. scene and you see them running. Yeah. And then you get a flash and you get Shaggy and Scooby and they're yeah. running. And, and that's yeah. kind of exactly how this is going to play out. So if this feels kind of rushed and weird, it's because without reading exact paragraphs from the page, there's really no dialogue to discuss. There's, I mean, like I said, right here at the top of 33, there's a little bit but there's not a lot of dialogue to discuss there's not a lot of like interpretation to be had it just is it's action so all right now that that was your caveat and like i said if you just want to um imagine a scooby-doo montage and like play the celtic music that kim's gonna give you uh in the background of your head like that's what we get okay 
<laughs> so chapter 33, they're starting to scream for Asriel. They're like, what the hell? He was just here. And Cassian's like, hold on. And so he drops them back out of like this misty cloud thing. And they're looking for Asriel's siphons. We see them start flashing below. That can't be good. That means he's fighting. Cassian's like, we're fucked. And so he, in a split second, instead of going straight for Asriel, realizes that he's holding Nesta. So he basically about faces and is speeding away from Asriel. And Nesta's like, wait a second. What are you doing? Where are you going? Right. But remember, they see what Asriel is fighting. Well, I was going to say, and that's what, yeah, Cassian's like, there's two, like Cassian's like trying to get her away. And she's the one who tells him like, but there's two dozen soldiers down there. And then it's like, yeah, autumn court soldiers. They're autumn court. So did... Did Eris fuck us over or? Yeah. So they're trying to decide as they're like essentially going away from Asriel, who is fighting two dozen soldiers on his own. Like, yeah. Like what, what does this mean? Like, mm-hmm. is it Eris? Like did Eris send them? Did Baron send them? Now, like side note, they didn't know that they were coming here until less than 24 hours ago. So I'm not really sure who they think like the mole is. Who would have told them? Fair, fair, fair. But that's not here nor there. Um, it's fine. Nesta is like, okay, great. Yeah, I get it. Uh, we'll worry about the who, the why later. Why are we leaving Azriel down there by himself? Let's go help him. And Cassian points out exactly what you assume, which is because I'm not going to take you down there. He's not going to stick Nesta down there in the middle of this. Just fair. Because fair enough, she probably will be a liability. Yes, she'd be a liability, and like she's liability. She could get captured. She could get killed. But also, like I don't know. Again, there's only three of them. It's sort of like, don't you always need somebody who's going to be like the lookout, the one who could go back? Like you know what I mean? I don't know. That's just my thought process. If you have a group situation, I IDK. Yeah. So, but she's losing it. She's like, she doesn't want to be the reason he's not helping Azriel. So she's like, put me down, put me down. Like do whatever you got to do. Go back and help him. And. She's like yelling at him because this is to her wasting time. And he's like, trust me, I know what each second costs me, Nesta. And finally, she realizes, what are we even turning around to take me to? This whole place is a fucking nightmare. So she comes up with what I think is actually kind of a genius plan, but then also led to me putting the funniest fucking gif ever in the uh, group chat on Discord. Yes, yes it did. <laughs> She's like, well, then put me in a fucking tree then and just leave me here and come back for me later. Like, just go. And so he's like, all right, fine. Great plan. Love it find the nearest semi-sturdy tree he could find. And he puts her on it and tells her (laughs) in what I think is kind of comedic timing, stay here. Where the fuck's she going to go? I'll I'll be be back back soon. soon. Yeah, I'll be back soon. Do not climb down, no matter what you may see or hear. And she's Um, like, yeah, 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 whatever. Go. Oh. So he does. But sure enough, as quickly as he's now placed her in the tree, he's now back going back to Azrael and we get a snowflake. And then Cassian is on his way to help Az and he can't see. He's literally right. relying on all of his other senses to find Azrael because he can't see. The thought occurs to him, could these be Eris's missing soldiers? Which is so weird to me that that is his like third thought because that was in, in the minute she, he, she said like there's soldiers down there. I was like, oh, it's the lost ones. Exactly. But I don't know 
Yeah, anyway. Yeah. But fair enough. He's like, you know, are these the missing soldiers? Did Eris fuck us over? Yeah. Did, did Baron somehow learn of what was going on? Who knows, right? Fair questions. So he's flying as fast as he can. He's praying Azrael had held them off. Because the one thing that we didn't mention before is is that one of the soldiers had shot an ash arrow through one of Azrael's wings. Jesus, they're poor wings. Yeah, but somehow our masters are fixing those. Other science and meds we haven't figured out, but that one. Yeah. He's he's looking. He finally sees Azrael's siphons flaring. He He goes to a point where he stops flapping his wings so that the soldiers can't hear him. Because then they can't hear the wings. And then he spreads his wings and he glides in. Yep. Which for some reason I hear like Mission Impossible in my head. Do, 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 do. Yep. They didn't have time to look up before Cassian is upon them. So he's able to kill quite a few quickly. Um, Again, I'm just, I'm all for the comedy. So I see him coming in and just like taking them out kind of like a bowling ball to bowling pins. Yes. Azrael is fighting six soldiers all at once. Jesus. But unfortunately, his magic, his power in the siphons is not able to do much because of the stupid ash arrow in his wing, because it's literally sucking all the power away. Sure. Cassian goes into a killing rage, basically. And he kills and kills and kills because he's he's pissed off. <laughs> and we get a snowflake. Yeah. so like we said what we're getting is kind of the montage the back and forth back and forth so obviously that's what cassian and Azrael are up against we get the snowflake now we're back over at nesta who's like "Mm, this feels like it's taken a while now my real question is has it been taking a while like did it take him a long time to find Azrael and then start actually like getting you know people dead or is it just feel like a really long time when you're hanging out in a tree by yourself maybe a combination yeah who knows but she is starting to panic she's decided they've been gone too long she's not seeing any like she's not seeing anything happen so it's not like they're advancing towards her she can't hear anything she can't see anything she's like well this is just not fucking great and then unfortunately because of the experiences that they've had she now gets in her own head about basically all the other times she's seen cassian almost fucking die right um which is a lot (laughs) Like, for the fact that they have not known each other very long, it's kind of a lot of times. And eventually she's like, all right, well, this is not working. And also, like, I'm losing my grip on this tree. So, like, I can only hang on for so long. Uh, We've got to do something. Uh, Unfortunately, as she's trying to, like, re-grip herself and, like, re-situate herself, um, she gets a really bad flash of, like, the last time that Cassian had fallen in battle, um, like, with Highburn, and she just kind of she's like okay okay well we can't stay here and just keep imagining this (laughs) she's like i gotta i gotta i gotta get this out of my head i can't keep thinking about this i can't keep picturing this and i definitely can't take any more splinters so we decided to get out of the tree which i can't even imagine what that looked like i'm sure like she was probably far more graceful than i would have been Um, i don't know how like far these branches are i imagine you know like this is not the easiest climb of her life so (laughs) most likely uh she gets some splinters on the way it's not the best but it's fine we we make it we're down on the bottom now and the problem is now that we've hit the bottom we're realizing we're gonna have to wade through the fucking water which is probably why he said stay here oh 
mistakes have been made. Um, it's okay. It's too late now. We can't climb back up the tree. We ain't got that kind of upper body strength. So <laughs> uh, instead she focuses on what she knows, which is, well, I know I can't climb back up this tree and I know that Cassian is probably in trouble. So I'm just gonna go. Except now all of a sudden, as she's like wading through this water, she remembers this one time, like when her mom was like, yeah, you know, Kelpies, like, you know, they, you know, people there one time a woman was murdered by fairies. I saw her dragged into the river and she's like, oh, fuck. Uh, remember when I was just taught about the Kelpies and now one of like my early core memories of my mother scaring me to absolute fucking death was probably mm -hmm. also about a Kelpie. Great. Love this for me. Love this for me. And as she's trying to shove that to the back of her head, she starts to hear a voice, which it's like never good when you hear a voice, you know, like, no, especially if it's not your own voice. Now we're really fucked. Right. And the voice is saying, run, run and do not look back. Run. Mm -hmm. And she's like, now she's frozen. Now we're doing the opposite of running. Now we're like, what the fuck? Why is there a voice in my head? And um, it's for like a really good reason. Because while she's looking above the water, looking for any sign of Cassian and Asriel, she suddenly sees in the water a reflection that's not just her own, but two Big old fucking eyes looking right at her. And that's the end of the chapter. Ooh, scary, scary stuff. <laughs> yeah. So um, cue like the running part of the montage now. <laughs> like, ah, a monster! <laughs> it's, it's, where, it's where Shaggy and Scooby have come out of their hiding place. And now they're like, oh, yeah. shit. Because yeah, they ran into yeah. the monster. Now they're running away, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yeah, you're right. Because before they were hiding. Yes, right. you're right. That is Scooby and Shaggy to a T. And then at some point they realize they can't hide anymore. So, mm -hmm, yep. Gotta yep. move, gotta move, gotta yep. move. So, chapter 34 starts and... <laughs> where are you? <laughs> Azriel and Cassian, where are you? We need some help from you. From you now. <laughs> How accurate. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> oh my god. Anyhow, Vesta suddenly starts backing up from the edge of the water because she's like, yeah. oh shit, what the flip is this? Yep. And this face breaks the water and it's whiter than bone and humanoid male. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what? The oh, no. Yeah. Bad, bad, bad. The black eyes were enormous. There were no whites to be seen cheekbones are so sharp they could have sliced the air his nose was narrow and long like a blade water dripped from its tip over a mouth it was too large that mouth sensuous lips but too wide i'm just gonna say something that like a select few of people will think is hilarious and a few select people will be like what is she talking about i just want to point out that if you read that description uh his cheekbones so sharp they could have sliced the air his nose narrow and long like a blade uh, this is what happens with context see in this context it's terrifying in another context you just described benedict cumberbatch <laughs> it occurred to me it occurred to me as you read it out loud that i was suddenly <laughs> transported back to like 2011 um tumblr days of people uh -huh. describing benedict cumberbatch and it was eerily similar okay i don't think i'd be freaked out if dr strange came out of the water right so that's why i'm saying context matters in this context <laughs> pointy cheekbones long skinny nose thin lips bad but sometimes that's okay <laughs> Sometimes, in fact, that's exactly what you look for in a man on the internet. Fair enough. 
Though the rest of the description suddenly takes you away from Benedict. Yeah. Because the, the arms come out of the water and it's very stiff and jerky and long and, and white and thin. And the fingers on these arms mm-hmm. are as long as her forearm. Long fingers. I know. We're both like looking <laughs> at our forearms like, hey. Holding my forearm going, what? <laughs> I just looked at mine and was like, um. That would have been a beautiful picture for this episode. Kim looking at her forearm. I'm looking at my fingers. (laughs) (laughs) If only we had done this as a screen capture. Anyway, carry on. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe you guys will get that at some point. Yeah. Um, And, you know, and then the, 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 the four joints i love this fingers dug into the grass revealing four joints and dagger sharp nails you like this doesn't sound good you guys i don't know call me crazy but this does not sound well at all Nope. crawling backwards she's doing the crab crawl backwards and this creature is still pulling himself up out of the water yep and the mouth is opened in rows of rotted teeth Jacket as shards of glass filled his mouth as he smiled. You image is not a good image. I don't know about you, Kels, but it's not uh, a good image for me. No. He's herself. Yeah. God bless her. I don't know. I might have too if I got that scared. Who yeah, knows? but I also think it's funny. People have pointed out before that like SJM has a tendency to be like, everybody always be puking or peeing. Like <laughs> True. Anyways, he realizes what's happening and he's he he gets a little excited because he's like, yeah. Ooh, he likes dinner. terrifying people, which, you know, right. yeah. I guess so if that's gets- like your lot in life, why not? Yeah. So he gets out and his legs are just as white as the rest of him. She can't move. He's smiling at her. He's on all fours and smiling at her. She can't move. And she's like, uh. Yep. But I love it because it says he spoke then. Not a language she she recognized. Voice was rasped, deep, and hoarse, full of terrible hunger and cruel amusement. That gentle female voice in her head pleaded, run, run, run. His head cocked, sodden black hair, sloshing with movement. Yeah. It finally clicks in her brain what this is. He speaks to her again, and she's like, oh my god, this is a Kelpie. Yeah, sure is. So this voice in her head is screaming at her now to run. And she she couldn't, she literally couldn't get her legs to move. She was right. freaked out in fear. Literally, he's coming after her. Like, he gets all excited. Like, he can realize she can't go anywhere because she's paralyzed in fear. And he's like, ooh, dinner's here. Yeah. Um, uh, so my concern is that he's not worried about dinner first. Ooh. Well, no, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, dinner in many ways, dear. Dinner yeah. in many ways. Apparently can't do anything and his hands come and they reach around her legs and he his claws literally are ripping through her skin and he is yanking her towards him and she's trying to fight to to come and to stay above and the the ground is so soft there's nothing for her to grab onto and so as the kelpie goes back under the water he takes nesta with her and we get a snowflake Yep, he drags her, like, ragdoll style into the water, I think, which is... <laughs> okay, so yeah. Creepy! Meanwhile, uh, on the other side, uh, you know, uh, Velma and Fred and Daphne 
<laughs> AKA Cassian and Ezreal. Yeah. Are dealing with what they have determined for sure to be where uh, Autumn Court soldiers wearing Eris's insignia, but that still doesn't really mean jack shit because Eris or Baron could still have sent them or not. I think this is when they're really starting to put together that maybe these are the ones that Eris was talking about trying to find a while ago. Yeah. Um, Especially when they start to realize that they're like, well, it doesn't matter. We can't ask them now. But then they're realizing like, wait, they're not like talking or anything. Like they're not really giving anything up. They're not like, oh, we're going to capture you and take you back to Baron or anything like that. And they're like, huh, that seems odd. They don't even look like they're afraid of anything. It doesn't even look like they're really like there here. Yeah. Um, You kind of want to knock on their head and go, hello. Yeah. And he went home. I'm not really sure. Like, clearly they did not watch Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Um, if they had, they would know. Uh, they're fighting these, um, as they're calling them still soldiers. I'm pretty sure these are basically zombies, but whatever. Um, gonna, you know, Cassian's like, oh, we gotta, like, bind them. We gotta, like, you know, tie them together and take them back so that we can, you know, keep a couple alive and, like, interrogate them. And I'm like, my dude, I don't think you're getting anything out of these dudes. But, okay, fine. Well, not only that, but we do find out that, that Ezreal has gotten that, that Ash arrow out of his wing thank god yeah right? yeah but as we know from akamath i mean that only helps so much <laughs> yes i mean it's better than not doing it but he's not exactly at 100 at the moment so we're trying to fight him off we're trying to capture a couple of them Azrael, as he's doing this is like there's something wrong with them yep. and then all of a sudden cassian's like yeah they smell like they haven't had a bath in weeks and all of a sudden, this whole like weeks thing is when they're like, oh my God. And Az is like, do you think these are Eris's missing soldiers? Yep, yep. And he did mention they were acting kind of fucking weird before they disappeared. And Cassian's basically like, don't know, don't care. We got to get out of here first. And Az is like, all right, yeah, yeah, got that. I get you. I feel you. Uh, I'm fine. We'll be okay. We just got to get out of here and we got to. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll come back for one or two of these, or maybe just bail. Maybe we just fucking bail. And Cassian's like, Yeah, I think we just fucking bail. Like, get, let, let's go. Uh, and that's also when Cassian's well, and, like, By the and, way, I left Nesta in a tree. <laughs> yeah. And Azrael's wing does hurt. We, we do know that. I mean, it's healing, but it hurts. I but it hurts. But I'm he's sure like, Yeah. He's like, Yeah, I think I can fly. Let's get the fuck out of here. Like, let's get out of Dodge. This is not, this is not worth it. Um, like I said, and Cassian's like, Well, yeah. Plus, I left Nesta in a tree. And Azrael's like, Well, shit. Guess we should go get her, huh? Yeah. Well, that's a great plan. We like, you know, fly ourselves out of the whatever we're in boggy situation uh, up high enough that we should be able to more or less find this tree again. Right. And all of a sudden, Asriel's realizing how poorly this was all planned out because Cassian's just kind of like, Nesta, Nesta, like looking through the trees. And Asriel's like, you don't fucking know where you put her, do you? <laughs> and Cassian's now starting to realize that like, even if I did know where I put her, I don't think she's there. So he starts looking down on the ground and he's still yelling for her. And Asriel's like, oh my God, you fucking lost Nesta. So <laughs> Asriel's well, now looking around. They know she was there because they can smell her scent. But she, we don't see her. She's not right. in the tree and right. she's not on the ground. Right. And so all of a sudden Asriel's like swirling in circles going, I don't see her. And then Cassian is still screaming for Nesta because he's realizing that this fucking means that if she fell out of that tree or even climbed down that tree, she's in the fucking water. Mm-hmm. And then we hear a really creepy, like, roaring echo across the water. 
Yep. And that's the end of the chapter. So chapter 35. It's it's interesting the way this picks up because it's like, she's like, she'd been here before. It was just like the cauldron being mm-hmm. hurled into the icy dark. Okay. Yep. This is one of two things. This is either good or really bad. Either way, I don't know. Yeah. Both are, um, both are going to be kind of the same outcome, it seems. <laughs> yes. And she's like, you know, she she knew she was going to die. She's taken her last breath. She hadn't even made it a good one. And then she forgot she had weapons and she had magic. And all of a sudden she's like, wait, weapons? She's blind, but she grabs the dagger at her side. And she's like, she fought back against the cauldron. She will do so now. Her bones groaned where the Kelpie clutched her, its grip informing her where to strike. So working against the rush of water as they're speeding down, Nesta slices her dagger down, praying she doesn't cut off her own leg. Fair, fair, right? Bone reverberated against the blade. The arm finally rips her, and she's shoving this dagger in, and she has finally realized that whatever she did, she got rid of the Kelpie. Yeah, he's not holding her. her. And she's like, all right, wait, I need to go up, up. So she's trying to go up and then hands grab her chest and they're wrapping around her throat and her back hits something really soft. And she realizes she's at the bottom of whatever this is, yeah. the bog. And she's like, nope, I'm not going to die like this. Mm-mm, nope, nope, nope. Kelpie is trying to kiss her. Ew. Yeah. And so all of a sudden the kiss is taking her back to being against the woodpile in human lands with Thomas's hard mouth cr- crushing hers and his hands are pawing at her. So this is not a good place for her to go mentally. No, but in a way it gives her the fight she needs. So instead of being scared, she's pissed. Exactly. Fair enough. And I'm go for it. And so she's trying to free her mouth, but air is filling her lungs and she realizes that the Kelpie is trying to keep her alive. So he is breathing air into her lungs. Yeah. He wants to keep her alive so he can play with her. So exactly. she's like, well, this is disgusting, but I guess this works to my advantage. Uh, she does have enough sense to close her mouth to trap that breath that he's given her. Kelpie is trying to rip at her body and he's tearing mm-hmm. away every weapon with really good aim. Mm-hmm. It's like he doesn't need to see in the darkness that his eyes, because they're big and dark and anything he can see. She gets, she goes stiff and she, she's unable to move and he's delighting in the fact that he, she's afraid. Yeah. yeah. Um, so when he has disarmed her and her lungs are burning, she feels she feels him pushing her into the bottom once more as he shoves his mouth onto her again. Ew. She gags, opens for him, letting him fill her mouth with another life-giving breath that had nothing to do with kindness. Um, Keeping her alive to play with her. Yep. He's laughing because this is a game for him. His teeth are ripping at her mouth. He's treating her like she's his prize. And he's going to make her suffer. And she's like, wait a minute. Fuck this. I escaped Tomas. Right. (laughs) Fuck all of this. The female's voice in her head is faded. She's like, you know what? Fuck all of it. So she starts, as as the the Kelpie starts dragging her, she's starting to reach for her power. Because she doesn't, of course, have weapons anymore. Because all of her weapons off of her. She's starting to bump into things. Metallic objects, bones, somehow preserved within the bog. Hmm. She's like, some of the bones still felt fleshy. Ew. Yeah. Zombie central here, people. Yeah. And she's like, please. She's begging her power, please, to fill to 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 fill it 
and she could see something glowing ahead, golden and shining, and her fingers are straining for it. And the Kelpie is trying to swim faster into the darkness, wending away around everything. And the golden thing is drawing closer, and it's around disc, and her power drawing, growing closer and closer. And Nesta still being dragged along, but the golden disc rushed towards her splayed out fingers. Yep. And the Kelpie doesn't see it. And so he didn't veer away and he got it. And she was like, it was not her power that had shown ahead. Oh, no, no, no. The golden disc connected with her fingers and Nesta knew what it was as she gripped it tight. Like called to like, power to power. How many times have we heard that? I know. And the Kelpie's still pulling her along. She's again having a hard time breathing. She's literally being sliced apart by weapons and stuff. And she realizes she has power in her hand and she, it's power in one hand, death in the other. And it's her death. And she knew what she had to do. And it's what you do when only in a moment of clarity and desperation, she's making the decision as she's doing it, the Kelpie is slowing down as if he's sensing, but he couldn't do it fast enough because he couldn't stop her from slamming the mask onto her face. And that's the end of the chapter. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. So chapter 36 picks up right where 35 leaves off. And all of a sudden she's not hurting. She's not feeling any pain. And all of a sudden she sees the Kelpie dropping her as if completely fucking shocked. He did not see this coming. And she realizes like, that's all she needed in this moment to be able to like get away. And all of a sudden she's feeling the thousands and thousands of bodies around her. Right. And she's hearing in the, like the voice and she's hearing really like the mask speaking to her saying home, like this, this our playground. (laughs) Welcome back friend. (laughs) And Nesta's like, I will unpack this in therapy later for now. I'm going to just embrace it because this is going to keep me alive. And so she lets the magic colder than her own basically flow through her veins. And she's watching this Kelpie that like had terrified her so bad, be equally terrified of her at this point. And she watches as this nasty little hand grabs at the Kelpie's ankle and just pulls him down and it's like ripping at his hair and it's like ripping at him. And it's just, uh, it's gotta be a nasty sight. <laughs> so that's a good time. Uh, and Nesta is still being like surrounded by this uh, magic of the mask, essentially. And again, she's thinking through kind of all this real quick. Like, you know, I fought back against Tomas. I fought back against the cauldron. I fought back against the King of Highburn. Like, I have had to fight and fight and fight and survive. And she's like, not today, bitch. Today, I am the bad thing that happens to you, asshole. I I love it because she's like, she summons the dead to do what her own body could not. Ah! Um, Without going into too much gruesome detail, it rips uh, the Kelpie apart, essentially, and she gets to watch. Mm. Which is great. But she like she basically for a moment like revels in the fact that for some for once she gets to be somebody's bad day instead of somebody mm-hmm. happening to her she gets to happen to somebody and the last paragraph before the snowflake is she knew he could see her teeth gleaming knew the kelpie could see her cold smile as she bade the deep dead to rip him to shreds so yeah love that love that for her. Go, no. <laughs> 
Look at her. On the other side of the snowflake, yeah, we're back to Cassie, and he's screaming her name. Yeah, he's losing it, which is and fair. He's in the water. Why I don't know, but he's in the water. Well, he just figures that's where she has to be because, like, right. that's where her scent is. So it ended her scent and urine. Yeah, she'd seen something. He realizes, been attacked by something so bad she had pissed herself. Yeah, um, and he's screaming. He doesn't know where to start. He's still going through and. As he says, if other things would come looking, but he had to find her or else he'd crumple up and die, he'd, and he's screaming his name, and Azrael is landing beside him going, I don't see anything, we need Reese. And then Cassian's like, he's not answering. Which is so frustrating. Yeah. Like, that has to be frustrating. Like, in most stories like this, you can't just go get help. You don't have a cell phone. You don't have whatever. But in this situation where for four fucking books till now, we've been able to mind to mind, essentially reach Reese most of the time, not under the mountain, but most of the time. You know what I mean? This is such a fucking frustrating situation. Cause it's like, you know, the bog is swallowing their messages. Like it's swallowing sound. So yeah, ooh, not good. Uh, Cassie is now in the water up to his chest and he's just reaching for anything a body something he, <laughs> it's he to forward and Azrael grabs him and he he stops him and yeah. he's like look and cassian is looking where Azrael's pointing and the surface excuse me the surface is rippling and there's golden light shining beneath it and cassian goes towards it and as is holding him back yeah. then spears break the surface oh shit <laughs> yeah like, Azrael is seeing this for what this is, which is potentially really bad news, right? Yeah. Like, fucking, fucking weapons are flying out of the water versus Cassian's too busy just worrying about where Nest is. So Azrael's like, my dude, my dude, look with your eyes, not with your head. Like, look with your eyes. Pay attention. What's in front of you? And, um, you know, spear after spear is rising from the water and then there are helmets and some are rusted. Some are shining as if freshly forged, which is bizarre yeah. uh, but beneath them are skulls yeah and Azrael's like oh god mother save us he's terrified he's not gnaw he is absolutely yeah petrified the dead arising and he's like a line of them a legion some mere collections of upright bones some half preserved decaying flesh flopping over exposed ribs and he's like, judging by their armor, they were warriors and kings and princes and lords. They rose from the water, standing in the shallows near the thorny island. And as that golden light breaks the surface before them, the dead melt. Oh, my God. Like, really? Yeah. Every word empties from Cassian's head as Nesta emerges from the water as if lifted on a pillar from beneath. A golden mask sat upon her face, primitive, but embossed with whorls and patterns so ancient they've lost all meaning. And as she's coming up, they look down and in her head, a Kelpie's in her yeah. hand, a Kelpie's head dangles by its sheet of black hair, torn up face, frozen in a scream. Exactly as the King of Highburn's head had hung from her hand. Yep. And then only silver fire is burning in her eyes. And Asriel is having the most, like, honest-to-God reaction. Just like, holy God. He's just like, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. And this legion of the dead is just poised, waiting for her. She she had full command of them, and he realizes that. 
And Cassian's like, Nesta. And Nesta releases the Kelpie's head. And the water at her feet swallows it. And cold power rippled toward them. And as it hits Cassian, he lets it surge past him and around him, yielding to it. He realizes to stand against it would, would piss off the mask. And that would be standing against death itself. Death herself. Yep. Uh, Azrael is shaking, weathering the primal force, but they're both Illyrian, whether Az liked it or not. And so they did what their people had always done before death's beautiful face. They bowed. Yeah. Uh, they couldn't bow a lot because they're pretty far into the water. Yeah, it's even the water. The gold shifts. And they look up in time to see Nesta peeling the mask yeah. off of her face. Whoa. And as she does this, the dead collapse and they fall back under the surface. Nothing. No no bodies, no spears, no yep. helmets, nothing. And then Nesta sinks as if she was dropped. Cassian is lunging for her. And, and he grabs her just before she goes under the water. Because apparently she's um, not conscious. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fair. Don't you think that... Uh, yeah. I mean, like, your body shuts down a lot of times in stressful situations. I think that's kind of what's happened here. We are out of oxygen. We are out of logic. We are just We're done. out. Yeah, we out. We out. Peace out. So he he's hauling her back towards Az. Az has the sword out. He's ready. He's prepared to fight. They're on the, the, the shore, the tree, the grass. She's just covered in cuts and scratches yeah. because of the stupid Kelpie. And Nesta's blinking. She's finally herself again. Yeah. Clutching the mask to her. Like a, I love it. Like a child with a doll and shaking, shaking, shaking. Cassian holds her close to calm down the trembling. And finally, she stops trembling when she finally goes unconscious. And that, that, my friends, is the end of the chapter. Like, bam, 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 bam. Yeah, it's a lot. It's really cool. I really love this section. Um, I love that for her. I really, really thought, based on, like, spoilers, that this would happen later in the book. So the fact that it happens now, I think, for me, suddenly makes a lot of other things kind of make more sense in a way, like other spoilers that I've heard. And now that I understand, like, the order of operations, so to speak... <laughs> um sort of uh makes more sense now um mm -hmm. so i'm kind of excited to see like how things unfold here i do stand by i can't remember if we've talked about it online or just offline i really really do think that there's something whack happening in like the publishing industry where i think authors are being told that they like ha oh you know actually i think i had this conversation with my sister because it wasn't about this book specifically, it was about publishing and the publishing industry. And it sort of seems like authors are being told that every book they write has to be longer than the last one they published, whether that makes sense to the story or not. I, I sort of stand by what I was saying before, which is I'm so interested in this Nesta plot that I really think that these books could have, um, this book could have been split in two and we could have truly let Nesta's book be only Nesta's book. And that all this stuff with uh, Reese and Feyre and their kid honestly could have been another standalone novella. And I think that breaking them up that way would have actually been better. But I have a feeling that because of the way that the publishing industry works right now, she was told she couldn't do that. Most likely. Because um, there's no logical reason for this book to be <laughs> so fucking long. Or to shove so much stuff together that could have really um, benefited from being standalone. Because mm -hmm. this amount of power, like, think about Feyre's journey. We got a whole trilogy to get her journey. And now we've shoved almost an equally sized journey for Nesta and Cassian into one book. Mm -hmm. And I don't I think that, that was necessarily necessary. <laughs> I think these could have easily been broken up. But whatever. 
point is, love this, love this for her. This is great. Um, it just it's funny because to me it sort of feels like the end of a story. Like we're now gonna move uh-huh. on to part two of her story. And truthfully, this could have been a whole fucking book on its own. <laughs> it does set up the rest of the book very nicely. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, don't you feel like this is this is as much we now have had as much um like build up and training and every like whatever of like Nesta stories we basically got from book one for Feyre. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this she is getting this mask is essentially getting out from under the mountain for her. You know what I mean? We've had to watch her totally like change who she is, actually rely on people and like train and understand like the actual mm-hmm. situ- like gravity of the situation. And she has successfully like, you know, done that and gotten her magic essentially. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Which also, Sarah must sort of feel that way because we are coming up towards the end of part one. Yep, yep. So I think even she sort of logically knew (laughs) that this felt like a bit of a wrap up of a piece. (laughs) Yeah, fair. So yeah, I don't know. I can't. Well, I'm just saying we're on page 373. I think the Mm -hmm. first book in Akatar is only 400 something pages, isn't it? I think so. I don't I think know. it's only about 370 something or 380 something. Yeah, the first book is I think this is the first chapter of the other book, like the acknowledgement stuff. Yeah, 416. It's funny that you said it because I, I was just saying I loaned my copy of that book out to my friend Kelly. Yeah. Because she wanted to read it. So she came to my birthday and she was like, Can I borrow your nice. Court of Thrones and Roses book? I was like, sure so of course after i bring it down to her everybody was like all my friends who were there who had read it i was like i'm converting another one (laughs) you're bringing another to the cult Uh welcome to our madness but yeah yeah, but but yeah so by the time we have a handful of chapters left that god willing kim and i are going to get through in the next like month Trust me, we know we're behind. We wanted to be done with part one at the end of this month. I think it'll be more like the end of July, but it'll be okay. We've got, yeah, we've got like, what, like about 10 chapters left. So yeah, part one is already going to be probably longer than all of book one. Yeah. Or as long, because again, I'm comparing apples and oranges. I'm looking at the page numbers from Kindle comparing to the page numbers of the printed, but um, still, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, my Nook is saying we're on page 322. Yeah. I think Nook does a better job of doing page numbers closer to hardback covers versus I think Kindle's is more closely related to the softback cover. Probably. Because I'm showing we're at 49% now at the top of chapter 37. I have it as 51%. And it's because I think Kindle does not count things like acknowledgments and the table of contents in the front. So, but yeah, so, but that's my point though. Think about it. We're through part one. I mean, it's 50% of the book, but still that means this book is the size of the, basically Akatar and Akamath combined. Correct. So that's why we feel like we're covering so much ground with like mm-hmm. this story, which is why, like I said, if she had wanted to, if her agent and her publisher and everybody had been on board, I honestly think that the best format would have been Feyre gets three books and Nesta gets three books. Mm-hmm. But for reasons we don't know since we are not Sarah or her publisher or her editor. Yeah. That being said, Kim's going to now give you the songs that we hear in the background of our uh, Scooby-Doo montage. So uh, I have a few songs here. I will tell you all right now, 
half of them are just instrumental. And so please just be aware that the name of the song may not totally match what the mood of the song is. I, I don't know how else to describe it. Sure. So bear with me. I have to admit, I had a lot of fun and I'm grateful for some of my friends because even if I haven't seen them or talked to them in a while, found their music to be appropriate. So it's kind of a fun, happy moment for me. So song one is She Walks in Beauty from the Medieval Babes. And again, these songs are in no particular order. They're in the order that I wrote them down sure. as they came to my brain. Uh, and that's Nesta rising out of the water. Song two is a song called Swim Like Mom. And the band is Baby Fat. And my fraternity brother and pledge brother, Jamal, was the bass player for them in college. And the band doesn't exist anymore, but I do have their albums. I used to go to their concert, their their shows all the time. They were great. They're kind of like a rock funk band is the only way I can describe it. And uh, anyway, it's mostly instrumental. And then there's this whole, the one line that is, Swam like mom! Which... I thought was appropriate. I mean, Nesta does have that thought. She does know how to swim. So it's anyway, but it's a very angsty, uh, the beat and right. the way the music works. It's very angsty. It's when she's under the water with the Kelpie swimming and fighting. Fair. Uh, the next, the next song is called jump at the sun by a band called Brawly Whacker, who I actually used to be really good friends with them. Um, I've run into Misty a few times and they they were they're amazing musicians. Um, they they were a guitar, a hand hammered dulcimer and flutes. So like uh, recorder flutes, and um, that's what they would do. So anyway, but this is when um, the song "Jump at the Sun" is for when As and Cassian are fighting Eris's soldiers. Uh, then we have the Jabberwocky by the Medieval Babes, and it's Nesta walking through Orid on the island. So it's kind of you know, her explanation with everything. The next song is Legends Never Die by League of Legends. Um, and it's her fighting the Kelpie and finding the mask. So it's kind of cool. Uh, the next one is Mogila Mir or Our Hero. I went with the Chieftains and Sting's version because Sting has that kind of haunting voice and, 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 and all. But I know Celtic I Thunder Sting. have done it. I love Sting. Uh, Celtic Thunder have done it. Celtic Woman have too. done it. Kel yes, same. Love them all. Pick a version. Several other people have done it. Uh, you know, whatever. But I'm I'm a fan of the Chieftains and Stings version. And it's Nesta rising out of the water with an army of the dead leading the way, which is so cool. Then the next song is Brian Boros March by the Chieftains. And it's the dead army assembling under the water and then coming up and out. I selected Monsters by Ruel, and it's the Kelpie yes. and Nesta fighting. And, I mean, he is a monster, and so it's kind Clearly. of a cool, cool way to acknowledge that, right? Uh, the next song <laughs> makes me giggle. It's called Ambush, and it's from Arcane League of Legends. The boy is fighting Eris's soldiers. Surprise, 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 because it makes sense, right? And the last song I have is called Rise to the Surface. And again, it's from I Arcane wonder why. <laughs> um, let me guess. It's from Arcane League of Legends. And it's Nesta literally rising out of the water. Only songs that I know have lyrics in them, like actual lyrics, are She Walks in Beauty, The Jabberwocky, Mogilamir, 
monsters. Oh, and I forgot one. I have one last one. It's called Dead in the Water. And it's by, I want to say Spells. S-P-E-L-L-E-S. Uh, and Sure, it's, we'll just wing it. Yeah, I'm, I'm winging it on that one. Um, and it's the Kelpie dragging Nesta under the water. Uh, so we have all of these songs. I think that one has lyrics to it as well. But all the others are all instrumental primarily, except for Swim Like Mom, which that's the only lyric in it. So there you guys go. Check it out. And in case you're curious, my kid slept through the entire episode until this point. So now she's very into hearing Kim's list of songs. <laughs> so on that note, guess the episode's over. You can find us on all the things. Yep. <laughs> you can find us on our website, massivefansbookclub.com, Facebook at Massive Fans Book Club and Podcast, Twitter at Massive Podcast. Don't even bother. Twitter's a nightmare. Instagram at Massive Fans Podcast, Pinterest at Massive Fans, and TikTok at Massive Fan Pod. And uh, you can read all of my weird, crappy fan fictions uh -oh. on Wattpad. Yep. Yeah. And join us on Discord, everybody. We are we we are trying to have as much fun as we can out there. So please come join yeah. us on Discord. <laughs> uh, so on that note, mm, okay, bye.